Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friend, welcome to another episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope your summer is going swimmingly. Get it? Swimmingly? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. Okay, so today we're talking with my good friend, Lisa Pulliam, who is just, y'all, she's just full of wisdom. If you haven't listened to all the other episodes I've done with her, you need to go back and listen to them because they are so rich and so good. And today is no exception. We're talking all about comparison, something that moms deal with often. And we're going to share some tips and ideas and how to deal with it and how to overcome it. So I'm going to keep this intro short because I want you to get straight into the content. The one thing that I want to say to y'all is thank you. The Inspired to Action podcast has been hitting the iTunes charts consistently lately, and we're approaching a quarter of a million downloads. So y'all are awesome, and I just really appreciate you. I love reading the ratings that you leave on iTunes, and it just encourages me, and it's just so fun. I mean, there are people listening literally from all over the world, from Mongolia to Thailand to the United States to England to wherever you might be. And I just want to say, I just want to say thank you. And I hope that this episode inspires you to action, that it encourages you and challenges you. And let's get into our chat today with Lisa Pulliam. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on the Inspired to Action podcast today. How are you doing? I'm great, Kat. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. I love chatting with you and communicating with your listeners this way. I wish I could see them face to face. I know. Wouldn't that be fun? I would it love would that be too. So fun. Yeah, in a living room. I would love that. You know, I on our last, we did, it was one interview, but I split it into two parts because there was so much goodness in them. So if you're listening you're and you haven't, you haven't, you haven't, put those in the show notes. Um, but they were seriously so good. We talked about how to pursue excellence in motherhood, and it was just so good. I had to have Lisa back, and I'm today we're talking about comparison in motherhood and the idea of fitting into this perfect Christian mom mold. And I know that I personally have struggled with that before because on one hand, I think it's helpful that I didn't know my mom you know, as as a child or, well, ever, <laughs> so that, that I didn't know her because in my mind, she, I, I don't have any, um, I guess, baggage about my mom because in my mind, she can be absolutely perfect and wonderful and she did everything right, you know, you know because I, I never had any experiences with her. But then at, on the other hand, I feel like everything that I've ever heard about motherhood or parenting are things that, oh, I guess I should actually be doing and succeeding at because I haven't seen the failure as well. And so I I have also struggled with the idea of fitting into that perfect Christian mom mold and and trying to live up to it when I, I don't think that's what God wants us to do. That's not what he has 
has called us to. He doesn't want us to live up to some mold that isn't him. And he wants us to pursue him. So I know you do a lot of coaching, uh, life coaching. And is this is comparison something that you encounter a lot when you talk to some of your clients? Yes, Kat. It's something I hear about this comparison trap with the moms and the women that, that I get to coach. And it's something I personally struggle with. I've, uh, I've struggled with comparison, comparing to other women my entire life, I think. I can't remember a day where I didn't look to kind of the left or the right and think she's smarter, she's prettier, she's skinnier, she's, you know, more qualified, more gifted, more motherly, more holy, whatever it may be. Um, it's been a struggle for me personally. Mm-hmm. And I think there, there's such this incredibly fine line between comparison and then I don't know what the other word would be, example or um, encouragement or what it would be. Because, again, because I didn't know my mom, I shaped who I wanted to become based on other women. And mm-hmm. so I would always have someone in front of me that I wanted to emulate and just being honest here, for many years, that was Amy Grant because I uh-huh. loved her music. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'd wear a side ponytail when side ponytails were cool and she wore those in one of her album covers. And But just you know, whether it was people that were far off to me like Amy Grant or whether it was a close friend, I would constantly seek out people that I saw something that I wanted to be in them, you know, things that I admired about them. And I would, you know— shape my life and emulate kind of what they did based on that. And so there, there's the positive aspect, I think, of comparison of saying, hey, I really admire that about that person. And that's something that I want to pursue in my life. Let me watch her and see how she does that and how she grows. And so I guess sometimes comparison, when it's comparison, it's something that halts your growth and discourages you. And when it's this other thing, I don't know what word that would be, when it's mm. inspiration, it's something that yeah. draws you forward and makes you grow. But there is such a fine, fine line between those two. What are some things that you've shared with people and how they can fight the comparison aspect of it? I think I like how you pointed that out, Kat, the difference between looking to somebody and being inspired by them. And wanting to emulate what they're doing because you see something good happening. And then this other side of it where you are are in a defeated place because you feel like you can't measure up. Mm-hmm. And so I think probably the first thing I would recommend to any woman, including myself, in that trap is to ask that question. God, am I looking to this person and seeing something that you want me to aspire to? Or am I functioning from a place of defeat? And if the answer is defeat, then then you really need to go the next step and ask the next question, which as a life coach, you're never supposed to ask the why question, but it's the why question. <laughs> what, what, what is causing that sense of defeat? Is it founded on truth or is it founded on some sort of insecurity or hurt? So I really think we need to ask that why question, which as a life coach, you're never supposed to come right out and say, well, why are you feeling that way? Because it puts somebody on the defensive. But personally, we need to be willing to ask ourselves that tough question of what's causing me to act this way? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on behind the scenes in my heart and my mind? And is this something that I'm being triggered by something from my past and I need to go 
deal with that. If I need to go for Christian counseling, I need to go to Christian counseling, or I need to spend time in prayer. I need to study some scriptures on the, on this issue. Um, or is this just, I'm just having a moment and it doesn't really mean anything and I need to, you know, trap those thoughts and, and have God transform them. And so uh, I think we see it like, I, I think the comparison trap happens when we see somebody else doing something we think is good or better. Mm-hmm. And then we start looking at ourselves and thinking, oh, maybe I didn't do that. And I have a, I have an example that's probably, it, it's not very confrontational, so I could talk about it <laughs> um, if you want me to pitch that idea forward. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I was having this conversation with um, some other moms of uh, teenagers. So I have a ninth grader and I was standing around talking with these other moms at a car wash. And they both asked me, these two different moms in two different conversations asked me, what I was doing to, to, you know, focus on the academic piece for my daughter and having her study. And and then another mom piped in about what um, summer programs that they were going to do for their daughter that she was signing up to take a class over at the university. And then this one was talking about, well, if they're going to get to college, which class are they taking next year? So that they're, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself as I'm standing there, these are ninth graders. Like, we're not talking about juniors here. These are ninth graders. <laughs> And I started feeling like there was something wrong with me as a mom because it never once crossed my mind that I should get my ninth grader to enroll in a college level course this coming summer. Like uh, my mindset was, oh, it will be her first summer not at camp. We're going to have a great summer together just (laughs) hanging out. Like, And and so I went down this road and I, I thankfully God stopped me short within hours and not minutes of asking the question of myself, okay, so you haven't thought about any academically minded things in the months ahead or at this grade level for your daughter. She's your first. Of course, you didn't know. There's nothing wrong with you that you didn't know that that is something you might ought to do. Now that you do know that some other mothers are doing this, what could you do that's within God's will for my, our family and our philosophy of the type of children we want to raise uh, in terms of academic. Should she do any academic? I don't know. What do you call it? Um, Focus this summer? You know, should she be preparing in some way that we haven't yet thought about? And so God was able to help me back off of the comparison piece and focus it on like what you were saying earlier. Here are some women that are doing some really neat things to inspire their kids to academic excellence. How can I follow their example and learn from them and go in that direction rather than falling into a pit of defeat? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. Just taking action on something instead of wallowing in it. Uh, There's a quote that I absolutely love from Coach Wooden. John Wooden, he was the coach of UCLA basketball and won like— something like 10 national championships practically in a row, which is ridiculous when you think about college basketball and the turnover is every four years. Right. Um, And one of his famous quotes, it says, don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. And comparison really ends up being all about what we can't do. Oh, well, she's doing better than me and I just can't do that. And instead of looking at it like that and looking at it like, oh, she's doing this, how can I do that? How can I be better in that area? Because if I'm looking at her and admiring this thing, it's obviously something that's important to me and that I want to grow in. And so how can I move forward in that instead of, you know, wallowing and just feeling bad about it? And I love the perspective that you took 
in that situation of recognizing, hey, this is my first, this is my oldest, and this is the first time I'm getting to this juncture. And so what action can I take or even should I take at this point? And so just giving yourself that grace to not know what you're supposed to do next necessarily, but instead just having a teachable spirit in the midst of all of it. I can't believe you just used the word teachable spirit to describe me. That's hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally the Lord because I am not by nature in that situation. Put it back 10 years ago with, you know, toddler time around the circle. And I would have had an absolute meltdown for three days over not having realized I should have enrolled my child in preschool like that. You know, it's just amazing to see how God does change us uh, and changes our perspective. Well, and I think that's the core of of comparison, having a teachable spirit instead of a achieving spirit, I suppose. Because I wonder sometimes what our motivation is in comparison, because I know for me, sometimes it ends up being an affirmation. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'll go and check out something or I'll hear somebody or I'll start just having these vain thoughts about, oh, well, I'm at least I'm better in this, or or I'm better than this person in that. And that's terrible, terrible to say. But sometimes we compare because we hope to feel better. But then when someone else succeeds, we're not happy for them because we no longer feel better about ourselves because we, you know, we're comparing ourselves to somebody who's now doing better yeah. than we are in that area when that's not what God wants. The only comparison that we really need to have and that is good for us is to compare ourselves to our past selves. And saying, am I farther along than I was last month or last year? Yes. That's beautiful, Kat. That's the comparison that that I think really matters. You know, I was at my kids' track meet a while back, and um, that was just a really eye-opening. I had all sorts of sports analogies flying through my head watching these elementary students, you know, run the mile and the 100. You know, they have no... um, game plan for what they're doing. They're just going out there, you know, just running their heart out the first 50 meters, and then they have nothing left at the end. And But there was this one kid who I knew could run well, and he was running the mile. And I, I forget what grade he's in, but I, he's in the fourth grade or the sixth grade, and he was running with fourth through sixth graders. So I, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, he's in the fourth grade. So he's one of the younger ones. And I knew he was good, But when the race started, he was just middle of the pack. And I was thinking, oh, well, maybe he's only good, you know, with this other group of people. Maybe this is a a bigger pond for him to swim in. And so halfway through the race, three-fourths through the race, he's just kind of, you know, not really noticeable in the race. But then at the end, he totally just busts out, passes everybody, Mm. breaks the track meet, and as a 9- or 10-year-old runs a 6-minute and 2-second mile, Whoa. (laughs) And, you know, but the whole key to his success there was knowing his race, knowing what he needed to do. If he had just gone with the pack and run all out the first hundred meters like most people did, he would have had nothing left at the end. If he had just tried to win from the beginning and beat everybody, then he wouldn't have broken the meet record. And but because he knew he knew what his goal was, he knew what time he wanted to beat, and he knew what he was capable of. He ran his own race and didn't let comparison ultimately slow him down. And That's great. And as moms, it's, I think it's the same for us. Comparison really, in the long run, is just going to slow us down. Um, 
Well, I think, Kat, what you're saying, I think for the mom race, I think the internet has wrecked us. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I'm active. You know I'm active. I have two websites. I'm online regularly. I use social media. But I do think it, the comparison trap is worse then. And see, you know, with my first two, there was no Pinterest. There was no Instagram. There was no Twitter. With my second two, I've had that more in the exposure. So I did most of my parenting before the internet and other mommy bloggers could tell me how I should do it. Mm-hmm. And I did the core early stages of my parenting before there was even a Bible study with a nursery at my local church. So I was only parenting with two or three other moms in the same season of life in the early years. Mm -hmm. And it was actually easier to be a mom then than I feel like it is to be a mom now. Yeah. You you know, there were less ideas. There was less um, insights. There were less crafty things you could come up with. Like there were less projects you could do that make these wonderful lasting memories. But on the other hand, it was a very simple way to mother. We were weary. We were, you know, overwhelmed at times, but we, gosh, I feel like I'm talking about the dark ages, but it does feel like (laughs) it it, it was like, you know, you'd sit around and be like, oh, hey, have they learned their ABCs yet? Rather than feeling like 10 billion other people you knew had children that had learned their ABCs a year earlier than yours did. And so I think that when you were describing how that boy knew his race, I think that the place for freedom for moms is to know their race. And I'm a huge fan of discovering, you know, God-given personalities, Mm God-given learning styles and spiritual gifts. Like I cannot beat that drum enough. I think that we need to take time to discover our God-given wiring and, and do those 20 or 30 minute, if it takes an hour, personality assessments that you can get online. Look at our spiritual gift set and try to figure out where exactly do we fit in. Figure out our learning style and then look at how that impacts us in our mothering and our homekeeping and our our relating so that rather than saying, I can't keep my house organized, it's a matter of I, my house is never going to be as organized as Mary Jane because I'm not a melancholy. I'm a sanguine and I'm having a party out of my back patio three days a week. And, and, and you know, Mary Melancholy doesn't need to look at Sarah Sanguine and say, I'm a terrible hostess because it's not her nature to be that social. Yes. Yes. So true. So true. I have a friend whose house is immaculate. Immaculate, like all of her clothes look like they were folded at the gap. Oh, and it's just <laughs> organized and ordered and just perfect looking. And she's one of my dearest friends. And for some reason, so many of my closest friends are CPAs, and I don't know what that means. Oh, that's interesting <laughs> because I am so not, but I've learned I don't need my house to be as perfect looking as that because that's really not where I thrive. And to pursue that would just drain me exactly. And so exactly. to know what my strengths are, um, it has just been so crucial. I also know that doing crafts with my kids is not a strength because that drains me too because I can get all perfectionistic about what the end product looks like. But one strength that I do have is I love playing games with my kids, whether it's going out and doing sports or going running or sitting and playing a board game or cards. I love doing stuff like that. And so really recognizing 
where you thrive as a mom, um, like you said, is just so crucial. Um, after we record this, can I get some links from you uh, yeah. for places where they can do some of those online assessments? Yeah, absolutely. I have a I have one page on elisaplayam.com with all the links, my favorite links. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love those. I've been learning more and more about like Myers-Briggs and my personality, and I actually did a couple personality things on my kids. I think I want to have my husband do it as well so we can kind yes. of match it up and see if we can – because I, I have my perspectives of my kids, but I think if he also does them for our kids as well, we can kind of see where we're overlapping and, and what's probably right on with mm-hmm. them. And I think that's really powerful too. Um, and, you know, while you were talking, it made me think as we're comparing ourselves with people, um, we need to think, is this motivating me or defeating me? And when it crosses yes. that line, that's when we need to step away and we say, God, you are the only one that I'm holding myself up to. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're the only one that's going to spur me on and the only one that's really going to motivate me. And so when it crosses that line from from motivation to defeat, that's when we really just need to have the courage to step back from the Internet. Because suddenly we can compare ourselves to everyone in the world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and yes. it's great. We can learn from everyone in the world, but we can also compare ourselves to everyone in the world. And nobody wants to put their worst foot forward. So everyone else in the world looks like they're doing things perfectly when in reality, there's this whole life behind what they show online. Yes. And yes. we don't take that into into account often yes. enough. I think it's true. I think, I think in addition to figuring out how God has wired us is also to kind of have a baseline for our priorities and mm-hmm. what is the mission God has given us to live as a wife and as a mom and as a, a family. So one of our family priorities is to have fun together. And I'm not a huge game player, but some measure of relaxing, even if it's just watching, you know, the food network or driving down to the beach and having dinner down there in the evening, something that describes this is relaxed family time, some place that we can laugh together. And so that means the laundry baskets aren't going to get folded. Mm -hmm. But we sort of have this priority as a family that if people are coming, the laundry will be out of the den. And if we have a choice between folding that basket of laundry or going and doing something for someone or together as a family having fun, those two things are the trump cards over that laundry folding. And so I have to play that tape in my head again and again, like where I'm sitting, I can see two loads in the other room that need to be folded. And I have to tell myself, okay, but I spent three hours at baseball last night with my son and I spent an hour talking to my daughter. And there were all these other things of eternal value that I did. So that laundry basket can't be, I'm a terrible housekeeper. Mm-hmm. That laundry basket has to represent the fact that there are six people in our family. We lead, lead a very full life. We're engaged with a lot of people on a weekly basis with a number of commitments. And so that, that basket's not representation of failure. That representation is a life being lived, uh, many lives being lived yes. based on the number of missing socks in that basket. <laughs> you know, so that, there's, that is a fantastic perspective. I I really like that because how often do we actually do that? Um, You know, how often do we actually look at that laundry basket and say, hey, that basket right there of unfolded laundry, that's margin. That's me choosing to sit down with my kids 
and, and read to them instead of saying, mommy can't do that because I have to fold the laundry. So it looks perfectly neat and tidy. Um, what a great way, what a great perspective to have. I I really like that thought. That's something that I think is going to stay with me for a while. I love that. Uh, Well, I'm glad I shared it. You know, and I think, I think we need to share those stories about what's undone in our, in our homes and what we're not getting to because the perception, whether or not we're online or in real life, if, if we show up with our kids dressed and our car intact and our, you know, pocketbook on our shoulder, the automatic assumption is that that woman has it all together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think being honest and saying at times, maybe even off the cuff a little bit, hey, if you only saw how many things I left at home, the dishwasher's still not unloaded and the kitchen sink is full. That gives permission to other people, to to our friends, and sometimes in a mentoring situation to those who are younger than us to say, oh, okay, phew. Yeah, I didn't get to the sink either before I got to church this morning, or I didn't... My, I've got 10, you know, items of clothing strewn across my unmade bed because I got to church on time instead of putting it all away. Or or I'm late to church because we stayed up last night watching a, a movie, you know, as husband and wife, and we went to bed really late, and I we had a nice long breakfast this morning, and that's why we're running late. You know, like, there's, um, I think we need to be a little bit more vulnerable with one another about what we don't accomplish to try to enable each other to not get caught in the comparison trap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me think about, again, with the sports analogies, but I, think <laughs> I love any, it. <laughs> any amounts of success requires failure because, or, or the perception of failure, at least. Like that little boy, he didn't start out first. He started out pretty slow, actually. Because he knew his race and because he was going to win. Or, you know, there's the story about Michael Jordan and how he, I don't remember the numbers, but, you know, all the many thousands of game-winning shots he missed instead of just the ones that he made, but he was brave enough to take them. Mm. And, you know, we need to recognize that if we are going to succeed in any particular errand of, in any particular area of, of motherhood, it's going to require failures in some area that somebody else somewhere thinks is important even though it's not us. And so, like you said, we need to know what those priorities are so that we can succeed in the area that we want to and not just kind of give this half-hearted effort in a bunch of different areas trying to please a bunch of different people. I love that, Kat. I love that. You know, it makes me think my my son's uh, playing baseball and he volunteered to pitch. Now, mind you, he's only in third grade and it's only his second season of baseball. And sitting in that chair watching him pitch in a game just is so painful because you're like, oh my word, like this is the last inning. Like (laughs) the runs depend on his pitches right now. And he is amazingly steadfast. I don't understand. I think as a third grader, maybe you don't realize that the whole game is on your shoulders. (laughs) I, I don't know. And in some regard, I'm learning from watching him that am I willing to take the next you know, get into my form, check my foot. Am I pulling my arm back? Am I pitching this? And am I pressing through the fear of failure? Because half of it at some point for this, these little pitchers is, are they going to press through the fear of failure? Mm -hmm. And I think that when we do look at those priorities and, and say, let's go back to the laundry basket. If those laundry baskets are there forever, maybe I've got something I need to deal with too. Right. 
Maybe my schedule is too busy. Maybe if the laundry never gets put away, or maybe if the kitchen counter never gets cleaned off, or maybe if it's a state of my life over too long of a period of time, I am failing in that way to be a steward and to set the example for my kids. And I need to reevaluate and make some new decisions. And it's going to be like watching my son pitch. I'm going to have to try again and again and again until I throw a good ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at, at the third grade level, too, um, they're probably not thinking so much about the result. But like you said, is my arm going in the motion it needs to? Am I, you know throwing my leg forward like I should. And um, again, that coach, Coach John Wooden, he talks about how he never emphasized winning with his team. He never emphasized the result because the result is out of our control. The result, I I can't control what other team I'm playing or I can't control what the referees do. All I can control is the process uh, that I know to do. So your son can't control whether or not the other kid hits the ball. He right. can't control whether or not the umpire calls it um, a strike or a ball, but he can control his arm movement and his leg movement and how he throws the ball. And as moms, we can't control the end result. We can't control whether or not other people um, think highly of us or approve of what we do. Uh, we can't control whether or not we look like good moms. All we can control and that we you know, theoretically can control, but it's just the, the process uh, along the way, the, the little things that we do day in and day out that are actually important to us and that are actually priorities to us. And if we focus on that instead of how we appear to others, then I think we lose a lot of that emphasis that we would normally have on comparison. I think that's great. And I, I, I just talked about this with a, a couple of clients earlier this week, and it's been something that God's been bringing me through again and again. You know, Galatians 1.10 says, do I seek the approval of man or of God? And I always have to ask myself that question. What's my heart motive here in what I'm doing and how I'm doing it? And I start there and I say, okay, God, how am I doing before you? And I try to sit quietly enough to hear him. And he will speak to me. I'll get a conviction in my spirit if I know I'm making some bad priority decisions with my schedule. But the other thing is the accountability of my husband and I have, I have one friend, uh, two friends right now, actually, who are willing to call me out and that I can go to and say, how do you think I'm doing? So I start with my husband. Uh, you know, Do you feel like I- I'm taking care of your needs? And, and not in a subservient way, but in a mutually submissive way. You know, God has given me this man to honor. Am I, am I honoring him with my time and my heart and my, my physical being? And, and so I'll ask him that. And how am I serving the kids? Do you think I'm working too much, too little? And it's taken me years to get to a place of being able to receive what he's saying mm-hmm. and not be, yeah, sometimes I'm a little bit afraid and sometimes I'm a little bent out of shape and I have to get back with the Lord to have him adjust my heart, you know, um, that, that's a challenge. And then even, I'll even ask my kids, I, my oldest is 14, my second is 12, and they're honest with me. They'll tell me, Mom, I, f- I don't feel like you were here for me or I don't feel like you did this for me. Or they'll come back at me and say, it's great. It's awesome. Just keep doing what you're doing. I know you're like, love me, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so I think that when we're looking at the comparison trap and feeling like we're not good enough, 
that in addition to going to God and getting a perspective check from him, going to the people that we're responsible to care for is, is a good logical step. Yes. Yes. And that comes back to the whole being teachable thing Mm -hmm. and being willing to take that feedback and, you know, good or bad, encouraging or okay, but I want to be teachable and I want to grow and I want to move forward. And I think that's so crucial. Um, so in, in the whole idea of comparison, I also want to mention that I do think it is so valuable to have that positive comparison in our lives, to have the people that we surround ourselves with that we really look up to. I There was one person in my life, um, her name is Becca Nelson, and I met her when I was in the fifth grade. I was 11 years old. And I have no idea how my life would turn out if I had never met her. She was two years older than me, always super cool, loved Jesus, like super athlete in high school, prom queen, all sorts of leader kind of stuff. And for some reason, by the grace of God, she, ever since the fifth grade, I don't know how many seventh graders invest in fifth graders, but all through junior high and high school, she invested in my, and college and now, she invested in my life and in who I was. And I always looked up to her and and admired the way she lived her life. And it completely, completely steered so much of the direction of my life. And I really feel like God placed her in front of me to compare myself to in the sense of pursuing something because I had, you know, I had me and I had God and there wasn't really, a you know, much womanly inspiration in between that. I mean, my grandmother, but that didn't feel very connected either. Um, and so just for those young formative years, it was so helpful to have somebody that I chose to look up to that I admired and that helped shape who I became. And so just even as a mom, I still have those women in my life that I look up to and I say, that's that's an example of how I want to be. What does she do? How can I learn from her? You know, people like Sally Clarkson or different bloggers and different people that I've friends that I've met or women in my church, I found it just incredibly helpful mm-hmm. to have those people that are a few steps ahead that can help shape who we become. And again, it's just that fine line, though, between having it motivate and having it defeat us and, right. and knowing when to let that go. There's a there's a woman in my life who I probably could count on one, maybe two hands, the number of conversations we've really had in 17 years of living in the same community, but she's had such an impact on my life. And it's partly because watching her children grow up Mm. uh, and, you know, I'm probably closer with her daughter now who's 10 years younger than me than, than I am with this other woman. But, but there were two key things that happened in, in relationship to this family. One, I, when we first came to the community that we live in, we're in a boarding school community and we eat dinner uh, in a dining hall with our students. In the early days when we came here, all the other uh, faculty wives would decorate their tables with unique centerpieces. So, of course, here I am, blushing new bride. I need to keep up with the Joneses. So I would go to, you know, the home goods store every three weeks to get a new decor item for our table rotation. And my husband, about six months into this, he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) I'm like, well, you know, so-and-so has this and -and so-and-so has that. And I thought... And he said to me, he goes, Lisa, it's taken them a lifetime of being here to get those items. They haven't bought them all in six months. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, oh man, I, that was hard to hear, but he was right. And I started looking at my life from that perspective, even before God did a healing work on my heart to begin to see like, 
hey, my house looks like a 23-year-old married wife who's just been out of college two years Mm -hmm. because that's my reality. In 10 or 15 years from now, my home is going to look very different because of what I have acquired over the years. Right. And if I and it's true, people will walk into my house now and they'll be like, oh, we love your home. We love all your stuff. I'm like, most of it has come from the roadside. We're like treasure hunters, you know, like, <laughs> like and you can't find those treasures overnight. You mm-hmm. have to wait until they are there for you to pick and bring home and repaint and make your own. And so you just so, won an analogy award right there. That was good. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> to God be the glory because I wouldn't have picked treasures like that on yeah. my own if it hadn't been for the the confines of our situation we didn't have the resources to go buy new things but god has shown me the the beauty in that when it wasn't the way i wanted so that was one side of this family of really wanting to be who they were then and my husband reminding me that that takes time and the other side of it was that i was watching her raise her children And I was liking how they were turning out. Mm -hmm. And so I went to her one summer evening and I said, what have you done to create the heart in your daughter that she has? So my girls were probably six and four at the time. And her daughter was probably like a sixth grader. And she was doing a little bit of babysitting for my girls. The twins had just been born. And she, she looked at me and she said, Lisa, have you ever read Disciplines of a Beautiful Woman by Anne Ortland?" And I said, no. And she said, it's a really old book. And I'm like, that's okay. I don't mind old. You know, I did not come from a legacy of faith. So raising a Christian family was brand new to me. I needed to have anyone who wanted to tell me how to do it, tell me how to do it. And she was like, I'll give you my copy. And it was an old copy. It was a book written in the 70s. And she said, this is what I'm trying to do for my daughter. Hmm. And I thought, okay. I read it like the Bible. Like it was, it was my Bible and Anne Ortland, boom, boom, right there. And I, because I saw fruit of what was going on in this family's life. And instead of comparing myself and thinking, I'm not measuring up, you know, how much God had changed my heart about this family in such a short period of time, I was now saying, how did she raise children like this? And I want to be able to do that too. And it changed my parenting, or it took my parenting style to the next level where I started thinking more about what did I want my children to become? How did I want them to turn out in their heart more than just about what I wanted other people to think about me right then and there? Yes. Yes. And so I think that's what you're saying about that inspirational piece of having other people speak into our lives. And, and I just want the women listening to feel the freedom to know it may be a one-time conversation that has a radical impact on you like like what I went through or it could be a long-term relationship like what you had with that girl that was only two years older than you that obviously Mm -hmm. God tapped her on the shoulder and said you take care of Kat you know Mm -hmm. and that's a gift from God Mm -hmm. and and you know God knows what he needs and he's going to put those people in our lives as we need them and um I love that he does that. I, can you share that link with us? Or, or you know, I'll, I'll put that link in, in the show notes and I'll um, just confirm with you that I have the right one to the right book okay. um, yeah. afterwards because I'm sure a lot of people will want to check that out. Yeah, um, she, she recently died, which made me so sad. I should have written to her before, <laughs> before she passed. But she, yeah, it's a great book. I'll definitely have to add that to the show notes. Elise, um, this, or Lisa... <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
such a good conversation, such a good topic. I really, my, my prayer is that for everybody listening, that after hearing this, there will be things that you just kind of cut the cord on, that you Ooh. are able to let go of and that don't um, drag you down anymore and that you're able to grab uh, the rope, if you will, of things that are ahead of you and before you and that you can pursue and that spur you on and pull you along instead of the comparison that can drag you down because God has great things for you. I was talking with Ruth Simons the other day on an episode of the podcast, and she shared a quote, I think, from Charles Spurgeon, and he said, God's calling is his enabling, and God has called you to this role of motherhood, and he's going to enable you in it. And it's not about saying what I don't have or what I can't do, but it's about saying what God will equip you with and what you can do and choosing the things that you can do and moving in those instead of just thinking, oh, well, she does this and I can't do that. And so that that's that. So mm. I hope you're encouraged and motivated to, you know, be inspired to action and take action on the things that, that are um, gifts that you have and, and things that you can do. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. If there was any one last encouragement you would have for somebody listening as they're about to go back to their kids, uh, put down the headphones or um, tackle another day of motherhood, what, what would you say to them? You know, I would say, I'd say this from, from what I read uh, in the scriptures this morning that, that struck me on this comparison concept. I've never seen it this way before. It's in Colossians 2. And picking up at verse six, it says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And so, so when I read that passage this morning, I thought to myself, oh, at the heart of comparison is me putting up a man-made tradition mm. or a hollow, what does it say, a hollow deceptive philosophy and saying that that's the way I need to live mm -hmm. as opposed to living in the fullness of Christ and overflowing with thankfulness for the way he made me and the way he has called me to be a mom and a wife in the, the family he's put me, in the community he's put me, and, and how much I just want to live in that freedom, the fullness of Christ, alive in Christ, overflowing with thankfulness. And I think that's the heart of beginning that process of overcoming the comparison trap, is to shift the focus uh, back on who called you and who made you to be a mom. Yeah. Uh, and a wife. That would be that would be my last word of encouragement to the, to these listeners, to our, our women, and uh, the moms out there, because that that's what I'm trying to do. So they can call me into account on it too. <laughs> and where can they do that online, Lisa? Sure, they could find <laughs> me at elisapulliam.com, uh, where it's uh, encouragement for equipping women for today. Uh, there's resources there for how to be intentional, how to set those priorities that we talked about, links to personality tests that you can take, uh, which I think you're going to include in the show notes. Mm -hmm. um, and then they can also find me over at moretobe.com where we're, I lead a team of women and we're committed to equipping moms of teens and engaging teens, in particular teen girls with, with relevant biblical truth and encouraging mentors. We're huge about mentoring. Um, which is some of what we even 
touched upon today, how to find mm-hmm. a mentor, how to mentor others. Um, and so they could find resources over at moretobe.com on that topic. Fantastic. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I really appreciate the time and your wisdom that you shared with us. And, and hope everybody listening, hope you're encouraged by the stuff that we shared today. And I do challenge you to go check out the links in the show notes, learn more about yourself, the personality tests, all that stuff. And um, Lisa, I hope we get to chat with you again soon. I'd love to. Kat, thanks for having me. All right. You have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. Gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercies. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way by His Spirit with each breath that I take. It's feeling like a good day.